Uh, please join me in prayer before we start. Father, we give you thanks that you do speak to us so clearly through the words of Scripture. We give you thanks that you are not silent, that we do not need to feel our way in the dark to find you. So please, Lord, give us attentive ears and obedient hearts that we might follow you always. Amen. Darwin, I'm just tired of being a Christian. I'm just tired. A friend of mine sent me an email the other day, and he didn't quite say those words, uh, but he might as well. You see, he's been finding it really hard going, uh, problems with his relationship with his girlfriend, plus non-Christian parents who are giving him a hard time and just doesn't understand him. And he said to me, I'm just not motivated with Christianity anymore. And every time I pray, I feel like no one's listening to me. And God's just not there. Uh, he's just nowhere to be found. Friends, tonight I wonder if you've ever felt this way before. I wonder if you've asked God if He is with you, uh, if He is really listening to your prayers. When you have an ongoing problem in your relationship and you just had enough, is God really with us? Or if you're at school and you get excluded, no one invites you to anything, no one wants to sit with you during lunch, is God really with us? When your BFS suddenly speak behind your back and tell lies about you, is God really with us? By the way, that's best friends. Or when the pressure of work or school um, is just too much and you can't handle it anymore, is God really with us? Or when you've suffered a great painful loss and no one seems to understand what you're going through, is God really with us? If you've asked that question before, let me tell you, you are in good company. Uh, because a group of people who is undergoing hardship and testing asked that exact question uh, 3,500 years ago. You see, at the end of our passage tonight, the Israelite asked this question, is the Lord among us or not? Now, we're going to see how the Bible answers that question, and let me just ruin the ending for you. <laughs> the answer is yes, and there are very good reasons for it. There are very, very good reasons for it. Uh, Exodus chapter 15 to 17 records three very similar episodes, and there seem to be a repeated pattern uh, in these three episodes. Remember this pattern? Uh, in each of them, Israel grumbled, and then God provides for them. And throughout this episode, we can see that God is testing them. There is a lesson to be learned. God is trying to teach them a lesson, and I think it's a lesson for us to learn as well. So I will need you to open your Bibles uh, to Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Uh, if you have the church Bible, it's on page 51 for the small print Bible. That's a thin Bible. And on page 111 for the large print Bible. That's a thick one. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, on page 51 or 111. Uh, here in Exodus 15, verse 22, we find the Israelites traveling from the Red Sea. So they're out in the desert for three days, and finally they found water, but it was bitter. So what did they do? They grumbled. What are we going to drink, Moses? Have a look at verse 22 with me. And then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. 
For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Now, at first glance, it's a fair enough complaint, isn't it? They're out in the desert. They haven't found water in three days. Three days. They were thirsty. And I think there's a sense that we need to be sympathizing with them. We can't just go, ah, silly Israelites. It's a life and death situation. They're out in the desert, no water. You know, this is not like a bunch of teenagers out on a bushwalk for two hours. Can we go back yet? I'm tired. This is a serious complaint. But at the same time, and I think the Bible is directing us to see it this way, we need to be able to see that in context, their grumbling is just completely ridiculous. And it's completely ridiculous because they've lost sight of the bigger picture. They seem to have forgotten what has happened in the last 15 chapters of Exodus. Surely, the God who rained plagues on Egypt, the God who did those incredible miracle, miracles, the God who has kept his promises, the God who just three days ago parted the Red Sea and destroyed the greatest army in the world, the Egyptian army. Surely God can provide them with water in the desert. Friends, they've lost sight of the bigger picture. The Israelites failed to put their trust in God. Deb, my wife, uh, her old Bible study group bought us a fish tank and a couple of goldfish as a parting gift. Uh, they're called Bible and Biscuit. <laughs> because when they have Bible study, apparently that's what they have. They have the Bible and they have biscuits. Uh, you know how they say goldfish has a three-second memory span? Have you heard of that before? So they'll, they'll see something like a little castle in the fish tank, and they'll go, oh, what a nice little castle. I've never seen that before. And so they swim around, and three seconds later, they come back to the same castle and go, oh, that's a nice little castle. I've never seen that before. Now, I've, I've heard that it's actually not true. But let me tell you, the Israelites, they seem to have a three days memory span. Because it was only three days ago that God rescued them from an impossible situation. God rescued them from an impossible situation, and now they've completely forgotten. They grumbled, and their grumbling is completely ridiculous. But you see, when faced with these ridiculous grumbling, God, our great and wonderful God, responded with kindness. God responded by providing for them. Have a look at verse 25 of chapter 15. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And then there's a comment on, on God testing them. That's from all his experience, God wants them to trust him and obey his instruction, his commands. And if they do, God promised that they're not going to be like the Egyptians. God will provide for them. So continuing from the second half of verse 25, there the Lord made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. God wants them to obey him. That's the lesson God wants them to learn. God provided for them, 
and God brought them into this incredible place uh, with 12 springs and 70 palm trees, just the abundance of God's provision. I mean, the story could end here. We could all go home, they've learned their lesson. You would have thought they would, but no, they didn't learn their lesson. Have a look at uh, chapter 16. In the second episode, the pattern begins again. Israel grumbled. And this time around, it's not about water, it's about food. You see, they're traveling in the desert, their, their tummy rumbled, so they began to grumble. Uh, pick it up from chapter 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Sounds familiar. Uh, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. See, rather than learning their lesson, their grumbling gets even worse. At this time, they would rather go back to Egypt. Before God just said to them, remember this when God said, if you obey and trust me, you're not going to be like the Egyptians. I'm not going to kill you. Now they're saying, you know what? We would rather be like the Egyptians. They haven't learned their lesson at all. They still did not put their trust in God. And yet again, God provided for them. And from all of this, again, there's a lesson for them to learn. Have a look at chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Again, God was generous to them. In the evening, God gave them quail, which is a type of bird. In the, in the morning, God gave them manna, uh, which is like a honey-flavored bread. Have a look at chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Again, God tested them. God wanted them to learn this important lesson, uh, the lesson of putting their trust in God. Uh, will they les learn their lesson this time? What do you think? No, unfortunately not. Again, they did not put their trust in God. Have a look at chapter 16, verse 16. Uh, this is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in a tent. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of you paid no attention. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. A, a simple commandment, a simple instruction, and they didn't follow God. Uh, they didn't obey God. Again, God tested them in verse 26, and again they failed. Have a look at verse 26. Six days you are get to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be not. There will be. There will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? You see, friends, the lesson of the manna is there so that the Israelites would learn to trust God. See, they can only take enough food for one day, so they would trust God that he would provide for them again tomorrow. You see, it's about trusting God again for tomorrow. They must rest on the Sabbath or on the Saturday so that they would trust that God will, be, God will provide for them even when they're not working. This is in a society where if you don't work, you do not eat. And God is saying to them, I am going to provide for you. Will you trust me? It's a daily reminder to humble themselves 
so they would realize that their lives depend not on themselves, but on the God who has rescued them. There is a lesson to be learned, and yet they failed. And even after all this, have a look at chapter 17, we find the same pattern repeated again. Israel grumbled about the water like they did in chapter 15. You see, it seems like they've come full circle. We've come back to the same story, but yet they haven't learned their lesson. And this time, rather than God testing them, they're putting God to the test by, with their constant grumbling. You see, they're really testing God's patience now. Have a look at chapter 17, verses 1 to 2. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt make us, and to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? But again, here we have God who is incredibly generous towards them. Have a look at verse 4. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand before you by the, by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. They grumbled, and they grumbled, and in all of their grumbling, they are asking in verse 7, is the Lord among us or not? Have a look at verse 7. And he called the place Masa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So that's the big question. Is God with us? Does God really care about us? When we pray, is God really listening to us? Yet, hopefully, as you've seen again and again, we see that God is with them. God has just rescued them out of Egypt. God gave them water when they needed water. God gave them food when they needed food. But they can't seem to learn their lesson. I mean, it reminds me of Wally Coyote just never learned his lesson. Again and again, they fail to push, put their trust in God, even when God is so obviously with them. Again and again, they grumble. They've lost sight of the bigger picture. They've forgotten what God has done for them. You know, with quail raining down every night, I find this completely ironic, and manna on the desert floor every morning, they can still wake up and go, is the Lord among us or not? Can you see that grumbling is completely ridiculous? But yet we see that God is incredibly generous. And the sad story is that they never learned their lesson. Now, how does this relate to us? How does this relate to our journey in our desert? Uh, remember, like the Israelites, we too have been rescued by God, not from Egypt, but from slavery of sin and death. And our journey in the desert is our lives on this earth as we wait for Jesus to return. 
uh, to bring us to our promised land, heaven? How does God provide for us now? Now, obviously, uh, we, didn't, we can't find manna in our backyard. I checked this morning. It's not there. <laughs> uh, but the Bible tells us that God has given us so much more, so much more to demonstrate that He truly is with us. He has given us so much more to provide for us. See, rather than manna to fill our stomach, God has given us the bread of life that gives us eternal life. In John chapter 6, uh, Jesus performs the feeding miracle, and after feeding 5,000 people with five bread and two fish, Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 35 to 32 to 35. It's printed on the outline. Uh, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Can you see the allusion there pointing back to the Exodus story? Jesus is our bread of life. The one who gives us eternal life. Jesus is God's provision for us. He is everything that we need as we wander in our desert. And the lesson for us to learn is the same lesson Israel was supposed to learn. That is to put our trust in God, the God who, who is so obviously with us. But you know what? Often like the Israelites, we, we reach a point in our Christian walk, in our Christian journey, when things get really tough. And naturally, we start to wonder if God is really with us. That's just the natural way of thinking. The Israelites fail to put their trust in God because they've forgotten the previous chapters of their journey. They've forgotten that God parted the Red Sea in chapter 14. They've forgotten how God saved them in the Passover in chapter 12. They fail because they've lost sight of the bigger picture. They fail to put their trust in God, who is so obviously with them, because they've forgotten. Friends, when things are difficult and when you are tempted to grumble, can I encourage you to turn back, turn back the pages to the previous chapters of your journey. Turn back those pages and remember when God, by His grace, rescued you rescued you by his grace, not because you are a good person. He rescued you because he loves you. Or when God gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we will one day be in heaven with Jesus. Or when God the Father sent his son, Jesus, to die on that cross. Or when he gave us, Jesus, our bread of life, so we who believe in him can have eternal life or just the good things that He gives us day by day, the air that we breathe, the life that we have now. And when we do, I think we will quickly realize that, that our grumbling is just ridiculous. Just before you grumble, turn back the pages. And I reckon you will stop your grumbling because you will realize it's just ridiculous. I met a guy a couple of years ago um, he was involved in an accident, and as a result now, he has permanent brain damage. You see, rather than mana in the morning as a reminder of how good God is, uh, he wakes up every morning with a headache. His speech and movements are slower 
Uh, he can't process things as he did before. He tires easily to a point uh, where he can't work anymore, and he's, in a, he's on a disability pension. Ironically, his name is Abel. He said that, and I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> See, all these things are daily reminders of how bad things are for him. Every day, there's a reason to grumble. And yet, every time I see him, every time I, I get an email from him, he never stops praising. He never stops praising God's goodness. Uh, he would uh, he would always ask me every time I see him. He would ask me, Darwin, how has the Father been good to you? Uh, this is a man who knows that God is with him. Uh, this is a man who does not forget what God has done for him. Uh, this is a man who knows that God is with us in the Lord Jesus Christ in what he has done. I mean, he doesn't remember things very well these days. He, he quickly forgets things, but he remembers that God is good. Uh, friends, when things are tough, uh, these are opportunities for us to humble ourselves before him and depend on God alone. Uh, these are lessons for us to learn, uh, to put our trust in a God who is obviously with us. So can I encourage you, when you are tempted to think that God is not with you, can I encourage you to look to the cross? Uh, can I encourage you to look to the bread of life as he hung there for you? Can you really say that he is not with you? Can you begin to grumble at that point? Well, I hope not. Because I think when we look at him there, there we will find that God is truly with us. Uh, please join me in prayer. Our gracious Father, uh, forgive us when often we complain about the little things in life and we forget how much you've done for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we put those things as more important uh, than you. Forgive us when we grumble and not realize how ridiculous it is for us to grumble. Father, help us to remember the Lord Jesus whom you've given to us as our bread of life. Help us to feast on him day by day until he returns again and we can enjoy being with you and being with the Lord Jesus forever. And so we look forward to that day, Lord. Father, we know that life is hard right now and and our soul yearns for you to return again, for you to make things right and for you to recreate heaven and earth where there will be no more tears and suffering. But as we wait, help us to never grumble. Help us to always know that you are with us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.